All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Station Tapes. I am your host, Lewis Marks, uh, and I'm here in the train station outside the great city of Philadelphia. Um, the Station Tapes is about interviewing some of the top musicians in the world, and today is no exception. We have the entire band uh, from community-minded musician and composer Paul Geis, who is also from Philadelphia, and his new album, Hymns Volume 1, produced by Jamaluddin Takuma, is out on August 27th on Ropadope. Today we'll catch up with the band and get some top secret info on how and why this album was made. So with that, I'd like to welcome the entire band. Let's start, Mr. Paul Geis. How are hello. you? Hello. Thank you for having us. And I'll run down and, and just a quick hello for everyone here. Uh, Matt Jernigan on drums. Hi, Matt. Hello. Eric Kramer on the bass. Eric, how are you? Hello. V. Shane Frederick on the radio personality voice and vocals on the album. Sorry, gotta gotta <laughs> say it. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. There it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, Jeff Skull on guitar. Jeff, welcome. And Will Brock. Hey, y'all. On uh, Fender Roads. So here we are. Um, Hymns Volume One, uh, beautiful, beautiful record. Um, I, I guess I'd like to get a sense first from some of the band members of, of you know, what your musical background is, uh, how, how you came up. Are you all from Philadelphia? Can we'll start with start here. Let's get to uh, this side. It's quite a room. <laughs> Let, let's start with Jeff. Jeff is Jeff is not driving. For those who are watching, this is a safe podcast, a safe <laughs> show. Jeff, are you from Philadelphia? I am, yes. And so, what is your what is your uh, musical upbringing? How did you come to to become a musician and play? Um, <clears throat> I had a thing for music ever since I was a little kid. And uh, I started out as a drummer when I was like 10 or 11. And then I picked up guitar sometime in junior high. <clears throat> and I had a rock band. And then I got a teacher who slowly turned me on to jazz. And towards the end of high school, I became all about doing that. Um, then I went to school for music right after that. And then I just kind of just been doing it ever since. That was back in the late 90s. So, um, yeah, I mean, jazz is, I, mean, I do all, I do all kinds of stuff these days. Now, how, how did you, uh, connect with Paul? Say that again, the reception is kind of going in and out. I'm just curious as to how you connected with Paul. Oh, I have to remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I met Paul through uh, V. Shane, who's also on this call. Right. We definitely uh, met. We met like, I mean, I guess I, I just feel like some, some people, if you play around the Philly scene enough, you're going to, there's certain folks that you're going to meet. And I, you know, absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if we met on a gig with Shane or sometimes I just pop into some of Shane's performances to play a tune or two. So it might've been that way. Yeah. Actually, I remember uh, Shane had a little like birthday concert at that uh, Italian restaurant, Sibo or whatever it was. And I remember I came to sit in 
and you were there and I remember you were like digging what I was playing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we kind of became that. Right. All right. A um, little bit, a little bit of glitch there. Let's, let's move over to, this is fun. I got, I got so many people on the call. It's just, this is, this mm-hmm. is just exciting. All right, I'm going to move some pins around so I can get you guys full screen time here. So bear with me one second. While while Lewis is doing that, Bill, you want to you're from Pitt, outside of Pittsburgh, right? Yes, I grew up in Pittsburgh, um, outside of Pittsburgh in a town about as big as this computer screen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been in music since I was about four. Um. I say that I say that because if I said what I was in it since I was born, it would be strange. So we'll go with four. Um, <laughs> uh, I played all through high school. I played all you know all through middle school. Blah blah blah. Went to college in Philadelphia a long, long time ago. <laughs> and you know, everybody shut up. Everybody shut up. <laughs> and I um, you know, I, I had a pretty successful career and I met Paul I was the musical director of, of a play at the horizon was it horizon theater horizon theater horizon yeah yep and I needed a trumpet player and I think he was recommended by Leon Jordan does that make sense I don't know Leon that well okay I'm not, I'm not sure who recommended me for the gig me neither but it was but a I was happy fit. I was happy to be there absolutely it was a perfect fit I mean it was you know all the stuff that we needed on the show. He he just had in, had under his hands, and um, we were we became friends ever since. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's move on to Eric. Yeah, um, I am from Bucks County, which is just right northeast of the city. And uh, yeah, when I was maybe thirteen or so, uh, through a through a mutual connection, I ended up getting routed down to the Clef Club in Philly, which isn't how I met Paul, but kind of maybe what brings it full circle. Um, I uh, went up to Boston to live for a while and go to Berkeley College of Music, and then kind of shuffled, did some time in Brooklyn, and right upon moving to Philly. You know, needed to figure out how to make some money, so got a, a teaching job out on the main line um, for this company. And I met Paul at the, the teachers meeting there. And uh, yeah, he was one of the few people I connected with. And then he he ended up, we I guess we ended up working three jobs together because uh, we ended up working together at a place center for creative works, which is uh, an arts facility for adults with. Uh, intellectual learning disabilities, um, developmental. And um, then we also ended up teaching at the Clef Club together. And he plays in my band, I play in his band. So we see we see a lot of each other. Awesome. V. Shane Frederick. It is I. So I'm originally from um, North Carolina, but I lived in the Philadelphia area off and on. Um, I guess actually most of my life, you know, honestly, I met Paul most recently, though, I would say within maybe the last five or so years, probably five or six or seven years. I forget um, what that setting was. It was probably like some community, like, you know, someone's gig or 
hey, you should meet this guy, trumpet player. It might have been at like World Cafe Live jam session on Mondays. It could have been one of those type deals. But I mean, there's a, a whole um, a galaxy of stars that kind of circumnavigate in Philly. It's the same people in different, you know, different permutations. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, Paul and I just kind of connected musically and hanging and gigging and conversation. Really, it's mostly the hang than the music sometimes. When you end up in, in, in people's spaces, you like they're cool to talk to because they talk about good stuff. And then music happens as well. So that's kind of how that rolled out. Beautiful. And Matt, how about you? Um, I'm from Fishkill, New York, originally. And I came to Philly to Temple for to study performance. And I met Paul on a big band gig at, big band gig at Chris's. Um, we just started talking about music and the rest is history. And I met Shane subbing for a jam session at World Cafe Live. Then he invited me to record. And that's how I met Jeff. And I met Eric recording something else early on for Paul during the Super Bowl when the Eagles won the, the day of. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move it back to gallery view here. Um I've already got the sense. It's funny, you get an album and you see the credits uh, and you don't always get a sense of who might have just been called in for a thing or, you know, whether whether it's a band, that uh, people that hang together. But I already have a sense here that you guys, uh, you guys enjoy camaraderie life together mm -hmm. as well as just, you know, recording an album, so... That's a that's that's a, that's a that's a stone cold Philadelphia vibe right there in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, straight up. So, uh, Paul, why don't you lead us in 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 how? I guess I'd like to hear from you. You know what everybody means to the recording itself. You know, and 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 your comments on people. You know, band members' individual contributions as you as you went through this process. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, Matt and I started conversations about having a band, you know, on my front porch a couple years ago. Um, that might be the start of this particular group. Um, and we were like talking about different sort of styles of music we're into, into like, uh, you know, we both had like went to school studying jazz music, but also looking to do something that um also had maybe a, a contemporary sound to it might be the right word i'm not you know wor words and music don't aren't always hard to have them line up but we were like trying to to find something fresh and you know different members of the band you know shane, shane's voice is uh hard, hard for anyone to argue with shane's voice and doing an album with a spiritual concept i you know even more so made his uh his voice make sense and then you know will will's like such a busy dude it's hard to catch him you know but on, on the keys i knew from playing with him in that musical that he was gonna bring a certain feeling to the music that i was looking for and that and that uh, a feeling that like sometimes a, a jazz pianist like who is like just playing jazz piano might not bring you know he's bringing really bringing like a, a strong uh, connection to that blues element into the music and the, the feeling. Honestly, I was thinking somebody, 
I was listening to Abide With Me with somebody the other day, and that line at the beginning mm-hmm. of your solo, Will, is maybe my favorite part of the album. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. It's like that. so much soul in that one line. It was great. Um, Eric and I, I uh, we play together a lot in sort of like a singer-songwriter sort of scene and around Philly. And... Uh, <laughs> and you know, I guess I appreciate that he, his like history at the cleft club and he is also someone who's like not your typical jazz bassist um, and is like coming at it from a, a new perspective. And, uh, you know, Matt, Matt's, you know, also like a great writing partner who we, we, we uh, get together and work on stuff when I, when I, when I can get him to get in the room, he's a busy dude also. And then, uh, you know, Jeff. Jeff just plays, you know, really tasteful guitar, and uh, and, and is good at rusing everybody in the band. So you, so you, <laughs> so you, you had a, uh, you had a vision, and and right. you know, walk walk us through it. I mean, you you got everybody together and said, here, you know, here's my vision. Um, you lay out charts and and say you know this is how i want it to sound like what what was that process like yeah i'm curious i mean i i would write charts but also try and leave some room for folks to do their own thing um a lot of it we were learning on the bandstand a lot Mm -hmm. and then brought will in at the last minute and uh it just all worked together i'm sort of curious sometimes sometimes i don't know if i gave enough information but I guess I felt like I, you know, everybody in the band was good enough musician. You just make a chord chart and talk about a feeling and let it go. You know, you guys agree? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt wants Matt wants me to put more details in my charts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, to, to, and 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 far be it for me to just jump in, but please do like just the record making process in general, there's, there's, there's several schools of thought. There's one that's like, all right, I want every detail to be completely mapped out and make sure that it's clean and blah, 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 blah. And that's a beautiful way to make records. But there's another school of thought, again, amongst many, where it's like, uh, go, you know what I mean? Just kind of figure it out because the, I, for, for me, I feel like the best way to make music in general, be, be it live or recorded, is to hire the biggest bulls that you can and hold on for dear life. Hmm. And that's just, that's just that, you know, and cause you're going to get the best of them. So that's that, you know, that's just my thinking. No, that that's amazing. And I, I, you know, we're, we, I think, I think a lot of the records that are here in this room uh, go to the latter uh, method. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, when you're, when you're, the bull and, and, and it's your turn to play. Um, what's going through your mind? I mean, are you, are you thinking about the um, intent that Paul laid out in that process? Like, it's not, it's not just, you're just doing whatever you want. Right. Well, for me, I, I'm not thinking about anything ah. because I've thought about, I've thought in the woodshed, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Uh-huh. I've thought previously, I'm like Paul hired me to do what I do. So I did what I do. I did what I do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I ask him if it's okay, blah, 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 blah. Make sure with all the tweaks and everything. But it, ultimately he hired me to, to, 
to play like I play. So I did. Hmm. Paul, you want to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, that's it. <laughs> but but also but also I think you know the the like the selection of the piece and look like I I know you in a process like someone like Will and and Shane looks at the looks at the the text and and what's going on around them and, and reacts in like a way that makes sense to them you know I'm sort of curious about like Shane's perspective on on you know interpreting a song and and like what's on the page and and that sort of thing. Well, I mean, I, I like to think that everything I've been, I've studied and I've been trained um, through my listening um, to understand that everything I do as a vocalist should serve the lyric and the story, the narrative um, in this specific context that is provided by everyone else who's, you know, blowing his or her head off on the stage or in the studio. You know what I mean? So if we're going to go left and I'm going to tell the story, I'm going to take the story left with y'all. Otherwise, I'm on the right and y'all on the left and the story has split in half. So really, I mean, it's about context and putting as much of the story I can put in myself and putting as much of myself I can put in that story at the same time and like let it go where it's going to go, basically. You know, I'm trying to serve the whole text mm-hmm. and I'm taking the, the past, the present, the future and making them all collide in that moment. Well said. Well said. What about you, Matt? What's your feeling on charts? Oh, I feel like... I feel like hymns are special in the, in the fact that they kind of set the table for what we want to do, mm-hmm. musically speaking. Like, like hymns usually function, you're singing verse after verse after verse after verse, you know? So there's a lot of, like, lyrical content to kind of draw from because there's so much of it. So you can kind of get a, a whole picture. Um, I feel like all the tracks are, like, literal in their mood. Like, you saw, all right, this is a song about love. It's going to be kind of, like, tender you know, maybe ethereal um welcome maybe, table hold up matt hold up matt mm-hmm. lewis are you getting that feedback we can't hear you lewis can't hear you now sorry turn my mic off for a second um i am not uh-huh. getting feedback are you having a problem yeah we uh, had some we yeah. just had some feedback from matt at least on my end yes i, I had to Matt, are you are you muted right now? No, can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think I think we're good. Yeah. Clear. Cool. Matt, you were talking Wait. about like hymns and verses. You want to? Yeah. So like the verse, verses and hymns. Like there's so much local content that there's a lot to glean from it. Whereas maybe like a tune, like four, you know, there isn't like any lyrics or anything you kind of have to imagine. I feel like hymns give you more to work off of. I feel like we kind of were like, all right, well, this is like, this is welcome table, you know, and there's obviously like a, a more joyful message being indicated. And like, we took that and ran with it. So I feel like every song kind of gave us the direction. And then we just like did what made sense and that kind of informed what we did. And I think each one is a, like really fits what the lyrics are about. So there's enough of a structure in, inherent in the in the in the in the in the vision, or the or the songs themselves, where you you get that and you just stretch out and do your thing. Am I am I hearing exactly. that right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have to make a couple of notes here real quick, <laughs> mm-hmm. just for for some of the technical issues that we've been having. 
Um, Paul, would you like to break down song by song, or there, is there something that you'd like to focus on um, individually? Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe, like, something I'm curious about is... I guess I wanted to talk to Eric some about his, his like we've talked some about um, some of the more, you know, quote like jazz, you know, we I'm not like here to like talk about what jazz is and what isn't, but like what, you know, people dealing in this sort of music, we've like talked about some folks like Kamasi Washington and things who are doing, doing this music in like new and interesting ways. And I feel like Eric as a bass player, like brings a certain foundation to that um because he's you know because he eric's mo you're mostly like dealing with in singer songwriter world and playing with the rest of root band and that so i guess i'm curious how that is like interacting in in this band yeah i mean i i feel like i took a kind of interesting trip where i started out very much in the more traditional straight ahead jazz context and then upon going to berkeley i kind of very much fell off of that but I've kind of kept myself, you know, always been a listener. Um, but by, yeah, playing in a bunch of contexts like, uh, you know, bluegrass, folk, rock and roll, reggae, like, you know, everything has its own kind of like, you know, basic set of tenets that makes the music work. Sometimes that comes from like harmony, sometimes that comes from rhythm, sometimes that comes from like a group, you know, just the way a group interacts and, and um yeah so so for me it's like it's been cool coming back a little bit into the jazz context and you know trying to bring in some of what i feel like makes other music tick because uh you know sometimes you see people jazz is kind of a can be a strange medium where it's like you know a bunch of people in the 70s 60s and 70s were doing something and we kind of put it in a bottle and like you know, reverse engineered it and started teaching it to people in school. And, you know, in a way that can be a limiting medium where to me, like, I think what they were doing is they were playing music as a group, expressing their soul in, in a group context. And it happened to, you know, sound the way it did, but we're no longer in the 1960s and 70s where we're here in 2020. And there's a whole bunch of other musical contexts surrounding what we're doing. So, I think, you know, in order to make something cool and new, you gotta, you gotta learn from history, but also be looking forward. So, so yeah, I think, I think the future of music does involve a lot more of like, we're no longer only able to see and hear what's in front of us. We have this global platform in front of us. So just, yeah, I, I try not to really even think too much about genre when I'm playing. I definitely relate to what Will said is like, thinking's already been done. Like, I think Paul, as the person composing this music, really sets the tone when even just by doing something as simple as playing a pickup in the song on his horn or like, yeah, everything else is kind of kind of speaks for itself. And, um, is this yeah, a jazz record? Oh, I don't. Uh, that's right. not that's not, not an important question. Not necessarily. <laughs> no, I, I only say it from from where I'm but, sitting. Like if if it was if I, if I thought it was if I thought it was a jazz record, I I might be less interested. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't think it is, but I think it's a, maybe a, a record made by uh, you know with with the jazz spirit in mind. Yeah, I'm I sort mean, of curious about Shane's forehead's like frozen right now. <laughs> I'm curious. What's, I think he's really just good at standing still. <laughs> um, 
So my concern as this loud car goes by, um, I'm thinking about context. I didn't, so I didn't go to school and, and learn jazz in university. That was not where I was exposed to jazz. Um, and so for me, um, there is a, an inextricable, inextrinsic, there's a link that you can't, you can't take the culture out of the origin of Hallelujah. the origin story of jazz, right? Mm, yes. um, and so while we can talk about technique um, and, and things of that nature from an, an academic setting, um, I'm very mindful to not decontextualize um, and um, deculture the nature of what was considered quote unquote jazz. Um, they may not have called it jazz um, prior to it being called jazz. Well, obviously they didn't. Someone came with that title, right. that name, and it might have been a derivation of a term, you know, an African language. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yes, we have larger contexts because we have listened to more music. And if, you know, some of those artists understood what was happening in the world musically, they may have pulled, and they did. They gradually pulled much more influences into the music that they had. But, um, you know, if you go back to the roots of, you know, blues, and you go back to the field holler, and you go back mm -hmm. to all those things that are connected to the origin of this, then um, I don't think there's anything per se wrong with calling something jazz. I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with that. Perhaps there's something wrong with um, the the way they have kind of deified this academic pursuit of this is jazz studies because Miles Davis didn't do jazz studies right. per se. Right. Coltrane didn't do jazz studies. The, the real masters, the architect of this, didn't go to university to study jazz. They studied music. They listened. They they understood the context. They understood you know all of the sounds from the people from whence they came. Um, and they created bodies of work that reflected their their inspiration, their interests. Um, so I'm not necessarily interested in doing something and say, oh, that's not jazz, just because it's not cool to say it's not jazz. I'm like, I want to make bomb music. You could call it what you want to call it. It's going to have a lot of influences because I'm influenced by a lot of different things. But I'm not really concerned about what the Academy has to say about whatever music I choose to make. I'm sorry. Go on. I, just, I just have to yeah. jump in here. Most of us in this panel, I think, have gone to jazz school, including myself. And what I found is that when I make art, I have to forget most of what I learned in jazz school. Because most of what I learned in jazz school is not music. You know what I mean? What most of what I learned in jazz school doesn't doesn't make people holler and scream and jump up and down and feel that but john coltrane did and miles davis did and charlie parker did so what happened was in the 60s in the 70s and 80s in particular and, and, and in the 90s too there there was this hustle that was let's go let's go to jazz school and all of us <laughs> thought we, we're learning we learn the blues scale and we learn the traditional blues chord progression and we learn blah, 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 they learn all this stuff and like they it took and watered down the music so as i made his paul's record and as i make any record i have to i don't have to do so i don't have to it doesn't it's not consciously all the time now but one has to consciously remember that i am a musician 
first. Not a jazz musician, not a soul musician, not a funk musician, not a pop. All those terms came later. I am a musician and that's what it is first. I had to, I'm sorry, I just had to kind of slide that in there. I'm glad you did. That's why I love you, Will. That's why I love, man, Will's like got the most passion. Mm-hmm. That's why he's here. <laughs> yeah, and I, if I could jump in, I think that's, that's what's special too. Like Paul gives us simple charts and he's like, do what you do. And I think like that's kind of like the most liberating and like authentic way to maybe lead a band is to kind of trust everyone to bring, you know, their, their self to it and not have a genre looming over it. Just, you know, just like have a page and then like, all right, this is what I'm feeling. And it's not dictated by what conventional norms have to be. It can just be like what we are. And then we're just a sum of parts that make one like moment happen in music and the moves all work really hard together to make it make sense. Incredible. Incredible. I, I mean, I, I asked the question, um, t- totally thrilled with, with the, the answers. Um, but it feels to me, um, that while you can say, you know, as Will said, I'm a musician and this is it. There, there's, there's some sort of, um, um, I don't know if it's forensics, but some, some sort of excavation of the roots of music in this album. Uh, that, that, that's, that's what I see from my side as a non-musician, as somebody whose job it is to find the people who are going to dig this and to, and to sort of prepave it for them so that people can understand what to expect without calling it jazz or gospel or whatever you know but there, there's a there's a deep sense of history that's that's evident in jazz yes but but more to me and i don't know if gospel is the right word but in the church i mean it's called hymns um you know when we're going to the roots of of some some really powerful uh uh compositions but also some some powerful human experiences you know, um, so that's kind of that's kind of why I asked the question. And and for, and for me, if I had said this is a jazz record when I started, uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have heard the things that I heard. You know, so the 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 feeling, the 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 deep sense of uh, spirituality and 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 groundedness and commonality that's that's throughout the record. You know, this is a this is like to me. You know, like a warm glass of brandy, if I can <laughs> use that. It's like, it's just really, it's comforting, you know, in, in, a, in a very deep way. And that's why I asked the question, because I'm not used to hearing jazz like that so much. But in gospel music and in church music, I, I hear that. Paul, do you want to tell me why I'm wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess, I don't know if I'd say you're wrong. I, I mean... <laughs> There's, I think like Shane made an interesting point is that we don't want to like uh, detach uh, the music that has a cultural context. And I guess I wanted to do my best to present it in a, in a cultural context to show the history that I saw was like connected to the music that we were making. And I guess 
that's a certain thing that like was important to me was like trying to draw that connection and you know i when i started working at the cleft club i after getting a, a like a master's in jazz studies you know i started learning you know a different different like set of musical values of what i would like should be or should i i don't want to use the word should but what i was like interested in studying and um i guess like from 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 my own research and study i just saw that the the core of that like came back to like a spiritual element and that was like very much the beginning of this music um you know reading folks like reading like blues people by miri baraka um helped me find some of those sort of things um that that this is like the the certain root of the music that is like a strain throughout history that i thought was important that i wanted to connect with in in like my in my own way by bringing like you know i grew up in this unitarian universalist church and bringing some elements of that and they they're like using some different cultural elements in their hymn book um so um i guess it's like a it's definitely in its own way it's a bit of a gumbo you know yeah and you're and you and and you're finding commonality in that in that process i think people can people can just hear this and feel it yeah i almost just kind of want to stop the meeting and go go listen to the album right now. <laughs> that's great move great move yeah there you go um so are 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 there are there plans for you guys to get out and play live or I mean I know we're in that like weird space of we don't know what's going to happen live but is the intent and interest there uh well we I'm planning a live stream for September 19th excellent um and um in terms of like live touring stuff I uh take take some planning and we'll see what the future holds Definitely like looking to get out there more, doing a little bit of seeing how the landscape changes over the next month or so. Um, and yeah, got to get to start booking and all that. I One other thing I'd love to hear band members comment on is uh, uh, Jamaluddin Takuma's presence uh, in the process <laughs> of this. Uh, anybody want to talk about that? Maybe Jeff, because we haven't heard from Jeff for a while. Um, well, he was, um, he, it was, for me, it was intimidating at first cause I knew who he was, but I didn't know him personally yet. So to, to come in there and, and he sat like right next to me, hmm. um, which kind of, you know, put me on the spot, but the, a really cool, I mean, Paul can tell you, but he gave us a lot of really brilliant suggestions that probably we wouldn't have thought of that, that kind of just elevated everything to the level that you want for a record. But one really cool thing he said to me was um, at the recording, I was using an Epiphone guitar that looks a lot like a, a Gibson of the same model, but a Gibson is much, much more expensive and higher quality. And so um, Jamaluddin says to me, he's like, wow, you get a great sound out of that Gibson. And I was embarrassed, and I said, well, actually, it's not a Gibson. It's an Epiphone. Uh, it's just like a $600 guitar. <laughs> and he goes, that's even cooler. 
<laughs> he's like, that's better, man. He's like, because he's like, it's amazing that you can get that sound out of a cheap instrument. He's like, he's like, keep doing that. <laughs> so for me, that was a little uplifting thing, but that's, he seems strikes me as the kind of person that looks, hears all the positive things and doesn't really hear any of the negative things, you know, and he's very kind of like lifts you up and tells you the things you did well. And, and then makes these suggestions that we all just kind of follow out of respect. You know, I think, I think Paul mentioned he, uh, uh, struggled a little bit with some of the suggestions about something or other. And then in the end you yielded because you realized he was right or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was more stuff in post post production, but it, okay. I mean, in the, in the studio. Yeah. But I have a similar feeling about Jamal that I, after like talking to him or being around him, I always just feel better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Than I yeah, did exactly. before. <laughs> Yeah, and I think a lot of the, to be honest, the way we did the record was different than how we played the stuff live before the record. Mm-hmm. Sure. In my opinion. Yeah, and, he, and helped, after, he helped us shape after it. After the record, we did, did it differently. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Like, he definitely helped shape it. I feel like in the moment, we were, like, trying to figure out what we want these songs to be. But, like, he was kind of like a step removed from that. Mm-hmm. So he could, like, see the whole landscape and be like, oh, we should be doing this or do that. And it was like nice to have him there and like his all of his knowledge and experience and just kind of like air traffic control what we were thinking into like a co- into like a cohesive product. Like I don't abide with me. We did it once through as like a whole band, and that's the first time we all did it together. And we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do, what and where. And he's like, Oh, this is all kind of hip, but like maybe 25, 30% less from everyone will make this work better. And then we did that, and then we're like, Yeah, that was the take. And then we just moved on. And then we just like two wow. two taked it. And that was it. And that was the first time I ever played with one other as a whole band. So that was pretty cool to see him like direct that into like a product. I feel like as musicians in a studio too, so often you're thinking about like the cleanness of everything you're playing and whether you hit a bum note or not, but it was cool to have someone there. And like, he was just, he was listening for feeling, whereas maybe we were also worrying about, you know, whether we were hitting the right notes, but uh, yeah, it was cool to have, he was almost like the vibe controller and, yeah, like I, I agree that it was also maybe a little intimidating at first, just like having having another strong presence in the room. But as you know, as soon as we started doing something and he was feeling what we were doing, and he gave it right back to us, then yeah, it was more uh, encouraging than uh, than anything else. Yeah, just yeah, he was, he was kind of like the vibe controller. It's worth mentioning the context of this all too, because we did this like literally as the pandemic was beginning to happen. And yeah. I think it wasn't wasn't happening yet when we recorded it, but it happened like like a week later. People couldn't find toilet paper anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and it was very surreal and weird. And so it was it was it was cool to have him there at that same time. Um, to me, it was it was an interesting experience just because of all the strange stuff that was happening. But it's interesting that we recorded it in that context. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, I tell you, <clears throat> I've worked with Jamal probably for 25 years off and on. So for me, it was a, it was, it was a comforting, it was like a really comforting presence. I was like, Oh, this record's going to be good because he's here. You know what I mean? That's all it was. So I, so I could literally just settle in and play because I've worked on a lot of records, records he's produced and every single time it's beautiful. Every single time without question. So it, it was, you know, uh, having a producer in the room 
that understands shut up until it's time to say something mm. is a is a rare and beautiful thing. So V Shane, do you have any comments? I know you you're on your way to a gig. Um no, I mean it was it was for me it was an interesting experience. You know, I have recorded before my own projects and been on other people's stuff. I've never I've never been in a room where there was an actual um, producer or someone who was not involved in making like actually doing the music in the room right. and kind of guiding decisions. So after like five seconds of getting over the discomfort of that, uh, that alone, I res you know, I respect him as a figure. Uh, but usually when I'm in the studio, I want as few people as possible. I want to be able to be in the zone without distraction um, and without just like a lot of extra energy. Because everyone is like a thing and then it's like, all right, my antenna's going off because your antenna's going off. Like, put me in a silo. Let me do this alone. But again, the presence was the right presence. Because if it was the wrong vibe, I would have pulled Paul to the side and be like, yo, um, can I just come back and do the vocals later? Because I just, I can't get in my zone. Hmm. It actually was, it was a, um, a, a positive addition to the process. Um, and I mean, there's some mutual, I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that there's mutual respect between myself. And uh, Mr. Takuma, because he don't have to like what I do, but apparently he digs what I do, which is nice. Mm -hmm. So, so that means I can just do what I do, and then be like, "All right, y'all, y'all sound great. I'll see y'all later." You know, that makes it easy. <laughs> well, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure to have you all together and to talk about this album. Um, but I want to, you know, as as we close out, I just want to, you know, give the mic to anyone who wants to say anything about the record um, that we might not have touched on. Beautiful music. Just beautiful music. For, forget genre, forget style. This record, for me, was just beautiful music. And I, and I appreciate the opportunity to make beautiful music anytime, anytime I can. So Paul, you call me anytime, Paul, because I'm, I'm there. Of course. I'd do round two. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. It Thank is you. called Volume One, right? Right. Well, we had another day in the studio that was planned, and then the pandemic happened. So, <laughs> right. The um, yep. But uh, yeah. You know, the thing, the thing that I thought at the beginning of this, where we first heard a little bit of a buy with me, is like, you know, this this record is y'all. You know, couldn't have made it, couldn't have made it without y'all in the room. So, thank you so much. I would say that um, Paul is really good at making compositions that have enough musical integrity that they're interesting to more of a jazz player like myself, but at the same time are totally accessible to people that are not familiar with that stuff at all. And I think it's really cool because that's not an easy um, balance to strike. Usually people go you know, too far in one direction or the other. Agreed. All right, gentlemen. Well, you know, big thanks to all of you for coming together that Philly vibe and, and, and making this record. I, I agree. It is, uh, you know, this is one that you just get and make sure you have it on hand, you know, for, for good times and for challenging times to just sort of, you know, soothe your soul, get back to the root, get back, get recentered. Um, so, you know, and big, big thanks to you, Paul, for, for putting that together and, and, and making that happen. 
Oh. Um. 